0: Welcome to Art Robot Death, a podcast about art, technology, and society. I'm your host, Timothy Reuter. With me today is Walter Rossi, a leading practitioner in the field of kinetic art. Walter, welcome to the program. Thank you. So I wanted to interview you after seeing your work at the Morris Museum. There were a couple of things that made your work resonate with me more than anything else I saw there. The first was the the range of emotions I saw in it, ranging from the humor of your New York skyline to the sense of wonder I experienced while looking at the face. A lot of the other pieces I saw seemed clever, but yours evoked real feeling in me. The second element was how much dynamism you were able to create with just one moving part. I think all of them have just one motor working them, so I wanted to start off uh, asking, how do you think about the role of motion in your work and in art in general?
1: Well, uh, kinetic art is not something new. You know, it was created uh, on the late 1800 with this album at The Morris Museum as in a collection, but uh, it never was a. Explored, you know, led on really as a, a fine art uh, form. In fact, there is a lot of misunderstanding today because a lot of artists they just uh, you know I uh, would say they create movements and stuff, but really it they have nothing to say. It's just movement. Yeah. But uh, for me. Uh, I wanted to say that actually I I did also I do also art which is not kinetic. Mm-hmm. but uh, on the early 2000 I wanted uh, to integrate movement uh, into my artwork. So I start uh, to uh, create uh, these pieces, uh, Uh, you know, with models and stuff, this is something that then later on uh, I got uh, uh, more experience uh, on the Mm -hmm. job, and now I can do anything I want. Actually, I have a big studio where I can work all the materials, I have a welding plan, uh, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for example, one thing I bought a, lately a Playmobil mm-hmm. toy, which uh, it's a planetary system. It was very interesting, you know, the planet they move around the sun. So what I did, I removed all the planet and I put heads of the human people, mm-hmm. with at the center of the replacing the sun with a Buddha head. Then you have, so uh, this is the type of uh, kind of uh, work I like: uh, recycling, recycle, mm-hmm. recycle of uh, our you know crap uh, that uh, we create for commercial uses. And uh, but people uh, don't recognize too much this stuff. Not so much people, but the institutions. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they are, how to say, they follow this uh, scheme of uh, uh, contemporary art, which they acquired in the 60s, in the 70s, and the 80s. Mm-hmm. In fact, if we go back to that time, the museum didn't have any artists in America. So they started to put in all these art in, artists in the 60s the collections of their work, and now they are saturated. So they don't want to know anything about avant-garde new idea and stuff. They want people to create stuff uh, following, uh, you know, what they have, uh, basically. This is an academy. So uh, that's all.
0: It's funny to me because in a certain way, we're in an era of unprecedented artistic freedom in the sense that there's more venues than ever before for getting seen, both virtual and physical. On the other hand, you know, some of the things that you're saying about the academy, you know, sound like it could be, you know, Paris in the 1800s. Um, and uh, you, you've sort of mentioned a, a couple things that I want to pull the thread on. First, what do you think are the misunderstandings about kinetic arts? Um, and secondly, related, you know, Why don't museums and galleries value it in the way that perhaps you and I think they should?
1: Because they are not ready. They are not ready for new stuff. They want to keep... It's like animals. You know, they mark their territory and they don't want anybody to get in unless they allow them to get in. Art is a free expression, one thing uh, of uh, contemporary art and uh, modern art is uh, that everybody can do art mm-hmm. in the form of therapy, and uh, but not everybody can, uh, can show the art. This is the problem, and because of the institution, they are closed, you know, they are that's the way they are. Yeah, Me, uh, concerning the 1800s, actually. There was more freedom at that time because the artists they made a real change, you know, with the impression, with a crack with the past. So and also there were very many less artists. And uh, so it was easier for artists, uh, you know, to not so much to get into the museum because they didn't care, but to make their art. In yeah. fact, in many artists they became famous after, when they die, like uh, Van Gogh, mm-hmm. you know, Gauguin. But today is different, especially in America. Artists tie to money today. Yes. They were, they want uh, uh, stuff uh, that fits uh, into their space, corporation space, or so big stuff, uh, uh, things like that. But big stuff doesn't mean that uh, you know is better. A, a, a small object can be uh, more significant. A big painting or a big sculpture. But uh, the gallery at the museum, they are servant of the system. They are servant of the corporations. So in fact, they are connected to them. One time in, in the 80s, I went to Castelli. I don't know if you know Castelli. I don't. Castelli was a dealer in New York. and lot of artists came out from his mm-hmm. gallery. And I spoke with him in the gallery a bit. And I realized that he was choosing art by the connection he had with the corporations. He looked at my stuff in a way that this is too small, you
0: know. Hmm. <laughs> wow. And, and I think there's... And, that, uh, yeah, sorry. I, uh, we had a bad connection for a second. Continue with what you were saying?
1: So I realized that it was an easy business, you know, to get into these galleries. Personally, I decided to continue to do art independently from the galleries and the museum, but I know now very well how they function, you know. So the the Morris Museum is not different from other museums, it's just that. they don't have the confidence in themselves. Mm. This is the problem. They had this for sure of kinetic art, which was a nice idea, but mm. they had the outdoor people choosing the artist. This is ridiculous. You know, they have a curator inside the museum. They could choose the artist, the, the art themselves. Instead, they use outdoor people because they wanted the Guarantee, you know, to the right. public, uh, this the stuff uh, was uh, real art, but a museum doesn't do that. A good museum, uh, choosing itself as a confidence. I am friend with uh, Andy, the, the, the director, and uh, we became friends on the process. Uh, and uh, it's very difficult to convince them that uh, they have to get into fine art not vintage art, you know yes yeah they have, a, they have a collection i don't know if you saw of the automat
0: i i did see they had sort of a permanent collection that was based yeah. on something that sort of the person who founded it had in their keeping and sort of the new stuff, that makes up the bulk of it, whereas the newer stuff, like what you have, is, is a very small part of it.
1: Yeah, so this collection is made of automata. That they were made around the late eighteen hundred, early nineteen hundred, which are really nice. I saw them in a private visit mm-hmm. in Motion. They are quite nice, but it's vintage art. It's not fine art. Why is not fine art? Because they have no estate. Art has to make a statement as to tell something to be. If the message doesn't come true, there is a problem or people is not ready or the art is weak. But uh, nevertheless, art has to make a statement.
0: They
1: didn't get to that yet.
0: And and I actually want to come back later to to the question of art and commerce, but let's actually dive a bit more into you in particular. Um, how did you get started as an artist, and how did you make the transition from what you were doing originally into having kinetic art be part of your vocabulary as an artist?
1: I am an architect, and uh, so I study art and mm. all this stuff in Italy. I have a, a doctor in architectural, and uh, I this for a while in New York, you know, to make a living. But also I have uh, an engineer degree as a mechanic mm-hmm. that I got in Italy. So I have this uh, experience in mechanical things. And uh, when I start, I, I always did art. When I was a child, I built uh, you know, character for minor DVD, stuff like that. And I didn't know that it was art. I mean, but later on I got into the art world, and so I realized that I was only using my sense of beauty in my work, mm-hmm. and my technical skill was put on aside. But uh, with age, I am the same age. uh, I became more mature, and uh, so I started to use uh, technical skill into my art. Mm -hmm. That's uh, how I did. The first piece was uh, the angels, which uh, it's a. a sculpture that uh, attaches to the wall. Then there are this angel that comes out. Uh, they open up. Uh, they they glow, uh, uh, you know, continuously, like a, a creation. It's like the beating of our art. This was uh, my first piece, which is still I have. And then uh, follow the others. Uh, I use a uh, a simple technique, which is the one they use for uh, mechanics. Uh, you know, the cars. Which mm-hmm. is a, a, a arbor, which it goes up and down, up and down, and I attach everything to that. So that's how I get the movement. So I distribute the movement in different parts of the sculpture. So that's I don't know if it is answered.
0: Yes, that, that that is that is a good answer. And so maybe let, let's walk through your, your process of making um, something. Could you talk about how you went about making the, the skyline, which has some similar techniques to what you just described in your first piece, and then also making the face? Uh, what do you want to know about? So how did you originate the idea, and then how did you go about sort of Sourcing the elements and then organizing them into.
1: Timothy, know. I have a day of a child. When I was a child, uh, I didn't have any toys. My parents were very poor, mm-hmm. so they didn't buy any toys to me. So I starved always for toys. <laughs> and when I got the toy, I open up. A, I open up the toys to see what mm-hmm. was inside. So that was my natural, uh, you know, attitude uh, towards uh, uh, toys, which uh, I carry with me in adult age. In fact, in my work is uh, is very appealing to children. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, the, the museum sending me an email. I donated this face to them and they accepted it. And they send an email, they said, Oh, we are very glad, blah, blah. And uh, the visitor, they were very happy to see this uh, sculptures, especially the children. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as I said, my mind is like a child. I look at something and I think, What can I do with this? How can I play? My enjoyment is when I make them. This is a really an enjoyment uh, for me. In fact, now I am doing pieces uh, with uh, uh, action toys. Mm-hmm. When I go around, I buy lots of uh, this stuff, then I mix them, I cut in parts, you know, take off the arms, uh, the head, then uh, I put them back in a different shape. This is for me, uh, you know, they are not kinetic, but uh, uh, you know, it's uh, like a a, a child uh, game. You know, I use the same object that a child uh, of ten years old uh, uses, uh, just with the skill of an adult. That's uh, different. So, so my children are my best uh, followers. Yeah.
0: And, and I would say that that very much seems like the the skyline piece which has that whimsical element and found pieces that then create a narrative of uh, sort of movement um, in the city, the face seems to come from a very different place that at least as a a viewer seems quite psychological um, and reflecting Perhaps the deconstruction of self. I, I don't want to impose my own framework, since you you are the one who created it. But could you talk about the the process that you went through for creating that? And you know, I I guess you know something that emerges from your first answer is: Are you starting with an idea, or are you sort of putting the pieces down and seeing what emerges to you as a narrative from them? No,
1: I started with. The an idea, I visualized the object into my mind. Mm-hmm. In fact, I told you that I bought this Playmobil uh, you know, uh, stuff. But uh, it took a long time be, uh, before I, I, I buy this uh, Playmobil, because uh, I was creating the object into my mind. Mm-hmm. Then when I was ready, I said, OK, let's go. Let's buy. And in a short time, I put it together. The same is for the other pieces. The face, uh, uh, it was the same. I visualized into my mind, and then uh, I started to construct. This is a, an interesting process because when I was younger, I wouldn't do that. Uh, the artwork came out as I was doing it. Mm-hmm. Now I am more mature. I know what I am doing. So before uh, moving, uh, I, uh, I have an abstract vision of uh, what I want to do, then I materialized. Uh, and then on time I correct the defects. Uh, the face, uh, before I arrive uh, to the kind of uh, movement, it took a couple of years because there were problems and stuff, technical problems. And stuff, even choosing the model was a problem because uh, I wanted uh, to move uh, very slowly. Mm-hmm. In fact, it does a revolution every minute, and then I had to choose a model that didn't make any noise. Mm-hmm. Those models they have all the uh, you know reduction uh, rotation, so they make a noise with the gear. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to do, choose a model uh, that doesn't have uh, noise. The only model, they were uh, the electrical model uh, with uh, alternate, alternate uh, electricity, mm-hmm. no direct in low voltage.
0: Right, alternating current rather than direct current.
1: So... Uh, and then uh, when uh, I presented to the museum, this actually was a piece that was uh, on the wall,
0: hmm.
1: at the bracket uh, attached to the wall. But uh, I thought uh, for the museum, this wouldn't be good uh, for them. It's better I make a stand. Hmm. So I put uh, on a stand. And then I wrote down a statement on the middle of the stand because I wanted the people, uh, you know to uh, to get what I was trying to say to them. You mentioned, the, what I wanted to say with the piece is that uh, we are here and uh, suddenly we are not here anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, this dissolution of uh, our body. Mm-hmm. This is the great mystery. And then we, maybe we come back again, and we do the same. Who knows how many, how many times we go into this process? I am very deep uh, as a human being, you know, yeah. as, even if uh, I have a great sense of humor, but I am very deep. Uh, this is something uh, that uh, really institutions don't want, you know, they want aesthetics. I hate aesthetics, you know, because it yeah. takes away. Uh, from the piece, from the contents. In fact, it before comes the contents, it then comes the aesthetics. Today, before comes the static. Later on, we may come the contents. Right. Yeah.
0: And, and how much do you think about sort of your work in dialogue with other kinetic artists like, uh, you know, tingueli um, do you see yourself, or or even Leonardo da Vinci, who sort of did yeah. things that were very kinetic? Do you sort of think about what else is out there and how you're going to relate to that, or or are you just sort of creating your own thing and it's it's incidental if it has a connection no, with that?
1: I gave my own thing, but I know there are work. You know, I went through. I went to Switzerland to uh, this museum. Uh, and uh, I I know their work, I am familiar with their work. They they were genius. I mean, I really yeah. like a little bug compared to them, but uh, I look at YouTube because in YouTube there is a lot of kinetic art. Yes, a uh, lot of artists, quite good actually, but I know. So I go into YouTube, I look at their work, I see what they have. But I have lots uh, of self-confidence uh, in art and uh, in life, too. So I can stand uh, you know, uh, with confidence uh, looking at their work. I can understand uh, how uh, the process they went through, all this stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, similar to what we were saying before, when I look at the kinetic art on YouTube, I see a lot of brilliance, but I don't always see a lot of voice. I mean, you talked about early, the sort of yeah, need yeah. to have a perspective, and and that to me is is often lacking, but...
1: Uh... Yeah, I know what you mean. It's difficult to find uh, an artist that is talking with his own voice, yeah. especially in kinetic art, the gravitation is more about mechanical thing right. than statement uh, or stuff. But nevertheless, uh, you know, uh, some of these artists they have the capability, which are great in mechanical things,
0: and and in some way that's an opportunity because if you can take that mechanical insight and then add voice on top of it, you can create something really exciting.
1: Yeah, that's uh, what I do. I mean, uh, I go through YouTube, I look at these people, to all these artists. uh, and then I try to understand how they made their pieces, and then I see if I can incorporate, you know, these movements into my work. But uh, the objective for me is not the movement. I don't care about the movement. I care about the idea. I care about the statement. That's all. If I would make my sculpture. You know, with the air or light uh, or whatever I do, I don't care what I use. I get about the statement.
0: But just to take that idea one step further, what is it that you think you can express with motion that you can't express otherwise? Because it takes a lot of additional effort to put in the motion, so there has to be value there. Spirituality. It's hmm. my objective. Tell
1: to people that we have a body, but we have also soul, mm-hmm. and we have to listen to our soul. We have to listen to ourselves. We have to uh, concentrate in ourselves, not on outside. The help will come from us, not from outside. And people don't get this. You mm-hmm. know, they want uh, help from out. They didn't uh, do the UFO, maybe they may help them uh, to solve their life or something else. but uh, actually, the real help is when you look into yourself and you start uh, to distinguish uh, your body from your soul, you know what I am now, uh, what uh, is my soul, what uh, belongs to the soul, what belongs to the body. I know this is quite heavy and deep, but uh, this uh, that's uh, my motion
0: for my motion. no, I, I, I love that. I mean, you know, that's the beauty of art as it allows us to access these heavy, deep ideas in a way that we might not be able to purely through words. Um, so, you know, I, I'd like to talk a little bit about how you think regarding your techniques. Most of the interviews that i've I've done before on this podcast, are people who are working with robots um, and the robots either are the art or the robots make the art um, you know on the one hand what you do is very boundary pushing from a, a technical point of view and in other ways, um, you know there's some traditional elements to it getting a lot of motion from a single motor you know using a, a kind of um, you know wire which as you said is like something that a car mechanic might use how do you think about you know the degree to which you try to evolve new techniques you talked a little bit about doing youtube um sorry yeah i know that the connection isn't so good here but how do you how do you think about using an established format that you've tried before versus pushing something new Mechanically or technologically, how do you evolve your work?
1: I use my skill, I don't have uh, an electronic skill, you know, uh, I have a mechanical skill.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes uh, I look, uh, I went uh, to this museum, uh, Arte Contemporary in Mannheim. There was a room uh, where they use uh, lots of robots, they were interacting uh, themselves, mm-hmm. it was very nice, uh, you know. But I don't have uh, that skill. This is a limitation that I have. That's all. I I should be working with other artists that they have the skill. But uh, unfortunately, I am not so sociable. (laughs) And uh, also, I don't have uh, many artist friends that they have the skill. In fact, I don't have any artist friends that they have the skill.
0: Well, Um, perhaps yeah you know, we can talk after the podcast i may be able to help you there or, or introduce you to, to people who can um and you know hopefully this isn't too crass but i think it is an under discussed thing in in the field of art how do you make money how do you sustain yourself as an artist
1: <laughs> i was just i was working at the company in the past, uh, before I was making the uh, neon signs, I had a company. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, in my studio, I have a big plan to make a neon signs. I still do for not for business, uh, you know, for art, I did a of art uh, for the artists with neon. Mm-hmm. And uh, later on, uh, I got uh, into more architectural work, uh, interior design, uh, furniture and stuff, because uh, my wife, uh, she was marketing my work, so uh, I could, uh, you know, have contact her. She passed away 15 years ago, and uh, so I stopped to work. But by the time I made enough money, not to work anymore, so. Today, I don't work, here. i just use my same.
0: And so it was sort of, you got to a certain point where the art on its own could bring in enough money that you no longer needed to do the other activities to sustain yourself? Not
1: really. I don't sell my stuff. You know, once a while I sell a piece, but it's not enough mm-hmm. to support myself. I am like a plane that is coming down and I try to slow <laughs> down the process you know say okay how long can I go on like this but uh, the reason is because I am an artist mm-hmm. you know uh, artist it doesn't matter where you put an artist on a jail, underground wherever he will be always an artist he will find a way to do his art right this yeah. is what an artist is
0: what do you think is the difference between those who find enough success to sustain themselves purely through art um versus those who don't because I, I know so many talented people um who you know are struggling and then i i know a few people who you know are able to make a, a good living with with art and it it doesn't seem to me that talent is necessarily the distinguishing characteristic between those two. What do you think is sort of the difference between those who who make it according to whatever, or, and those who don't?
1: This is a complex uh, question uh, that uh, you are asking, uh, Timothy, because uh, the reasons are many. One, uh, I think uh, it's karma. Mm-hmm. If you uh, be famous is your, is your karma, then you will be famous, it doesn't matter what you do. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, you can be the best artist in the world. Will be, you will be always struggling. The other are the institutions. Depends in what period that you are born. You know, today, for example, uh, artists, they are not craft people anymore. They are just designers. Mm-hmm. They have ideas. Then they go to a craft person like me. Mm-hmm. And They say, can you make this for us? But they have contact. With the elite of the artwork, mm-hmm. and they manage you know to show their work. but uh, uh, some they are quite good. I mean, there are artists like Richard Serra, you know, they are quite good. Uh, some they are good, but they are not they are not they have to struggle. And most of the artists I know. You know, they are struggling with their work. I know some that uh, they have uh, some success, they sell their stuff, they make money out. But uh, this is, I think, is a personal situation. You know, mm-hmm. I think the main uh, point uh, is uh, karma. If uh, you, uh, if, uh, you know, you uh, have to have uh, the notoriety you will have, otherwise, yeah. uh, you won't. That's uh, but an artist doesn't do this for B because he wants to be famous, he does it because he want. he likes uh, to make art. That's it, you know. Then uh, he gets corrupted by, the stupid, <laughs> yes, you know. And many artists, uh, most of the artists. Uh, that uh, they get famous in their lifetime, they stop uh, to be creative. They just make uh, the same thing all over because that's what they sell. And that's what uh, the gallery requires to them. So, like uh, Picasso, for example. Picasso, he was quite a good artist, but at one point, uh, he just repeated himself. You know, he started to make these stupid drawings, uh, black and white, uh, and stuff like that, because he had nothing to say anymore. But uh, he was an artist, you know, his ego was pleased. So, mm-hmm. so. but uh, uh, also are ego, you know, they think uh, that uh, they are super artists, uh, you know, when they get. Uh, some uh, success and stuff like that. This I know a lot of them.
0: Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I imagine it's hard when everybody is telling you you're a genius to not uh, believe that yourself, since it's a nice thing to hear. But
1: your internet connection is unstable.
0: Uh, I I hear you now. Um, so. Let's actually talk a little bit more about the, the institutions. Are there any galleries or museums that you think are really doing right by kinetic or avant-garde art? Um, or do we need to make a, a new set of institutions and what would those look like? No,
1: I know. I went uh, years ago to O.K. Harris. I don't know if you know the West Broadway. It's a famous gallery. The name is O.K. Harris. Harris.
0: O.K. Harris, okay.
1: They are on West Broadway in Manhattan. They are around from the 60s, so they have a long history. I went there, I showed my work, and this guy said, well, your work is not right for my gallery. But he said, you have a talent, you should go to Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And find the gallery is it the you know there are thousands of gallery in chelsea he said the four or, four, four or five gallery will be interested in your work out of a few thousand. so it's like a, you know try to get a needle uh, from uh, something uh, gigantic right
0: yeah well what do you think uh i mean an institution uh, a museum or a gallery, or or maybe there's some other kind of thing that really respected these kinds of art forms. What would that look like?
1: I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) There is no one that I know.
0: Yeah. Well, let me put out into the universe, if if there's anybody with uh, surplus resources who would like to create a new institution to showcase... Kinetic, robotic, avant-garde arts. Um, please get in contact with us, and we will help you form it.
1: No, the future uh, will be different. Uh, you know, as a society, we are on a crisis. Mm-hmm. The planet is on a crisis, and uh, we are just waiting for a crackdown, which will be global.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If we follow the politics, uh, you know, around the world, we see that we have all the elements for this crackdown. You know, Taiwan, mm-hmm. Ukraine. So uh, after uh, we will come out from this crackdown, we will be uh, reborn. You mm-hmm. know, with the limitations. Maybe we will have to live on uh, underground. Uh, uh, you know locations
0: mm-hmm.
1: we won't be able to breathe the air over the planet anymore this is already changing look at the weather you know uh, the uh the two or three degree increasing this is just too much you know so
0: absolutely yeah
1: so they think actually that the By 2050, part of New York would be under water because of the melting of the ice. This happened before, you know. Mm -hmm. 12,000 years ago, there was a flood that eliminated all the city on the uh, coast. So this is uh, something uh, that is happening again. We are increasing everything. But after that, we would be, uh, you know, uh, reborn situation, uh, and lots of artists uh, will come out uh, because we will need the artist. we won't be there but uh, with this body. but uh, uh, it will happen uh, that uh, all this knowledge we have uh, technology knowledge uh, we apply to art. you know In fact the art of the future is technological. Uh, we have to solve uh, problems, uh, uh, like uh, uh, to be able uh, with our body, you know, how can we live into space, you know, without getting radiation, Uh, you know, if you go into, they noticed that the people uh, into the uh, space station, when they come back to Earth, they are two or three inches longer. Right. And uh, so, uh, who knows uh, what other problems uh, will bring uh, for us to live uh, into space? But uh, we will do that because uh, this is uh, our direction. You know, colonize right. the solar system.
0: And just as and- a small note, I have a whole other podcast on that topic uh, about becoming a multiplanetary species. So I'm really interested that you came up with that uh, without me leading you you towards it? Because I, I agree with you, that's that's part of the direction that humanity needs to go in.
1: The reason is it's uh, reproduction because uh, now with the emancipation, I, I mean, I am very careful saying this, I don't want to offend anybody, but uh, with uh, the emancipation of a woman, we have no children anymore. And the one we have, uh, they are distorted because they have no mother. Their mother is a business woman. They lack of love. So what will we have in the future? What people will have in the future? So uh, we will have to uh, eventually use uh, other species uh, you know uh, giving a part of our DNA to other species in order to survive. I am talking about uh, one thousand years ahead of. us. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is uh, how nature uh, spread life into the universe yeah. in this abnormal way. You know, we think that uh, we, I uh, explore, we want to know, but that's that's not it. We just want to reproduce ourselves. Uh, the pilgrims that they come from England the only reason they came is because they wanted to reproduce our dead self in a free country, in a place where they had no limitation or persecutions so that's the stimulus reproduction
0: Sorry. you made a interesting comment that the future art will be technological and i'd love to just sort of in closing out hear a little more about what do you think that future art will look like does that mean it'll be Digital, or what is the, the technological element that you see as the central element to it?
1: First we will all be modified uh, uh, genetically in order to deal uh, with this with space, basically. Mm-hmm the one that uh, they won't be modified genetically will live on the planet, uh, like in this movie, you know, you see escaping Mm -hmm. from New York and stuff like that. we will be an elite uh, humanity that uh, will control uh, the existence uh, on this uh, solar system. I mean, it won't be so nice, the future. I prefer the one on the past contact with nature, you know, even if it wasn't a, a right, you know, with the aristocrats, at least as a human being, you have contact with nature, the nature wasn't destroyed like now. Yeah. We are going to go into, you know, the unknown as a humanity. Who knows if we survive? We may not survive this process, Right, you know.
0: And I think you know, I mean, the the future may or may not be you know a bit dystopia, but it will create incredible art to respond to whatever changes are are taking place, and hopefully that can be part of the process of of giving people hope and envisioning more positive futures, or at least emotionally dealing with the negative ones.
1: Well, art uh, would be a great uh, need for this kind of uh, society, you know whatever art will be, uh, technological or classical, whatever, art will be always existing. Uh, If we go back to the uh, Cro-Magnon man, we see he did the painting and all this stuff on the wall of the caves. Mm -hmm. So there was a really relationship with art that there was a relationship with nation. Then we lost this, Uh, you know. uh, Actually, we lost with uh, the industrialization because everything became attached to money. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, uh, with romance, art was religious. Wasn't uh, the museum started to exist in the late 1800s? Collecting art in the late 1800s before the artists, they were all artisans. you know, they were skilled as an artisan, then if they made something really nice, they became a fine art artist, you know, like a Michelangelo. Right. I want to say something to you, you mentioned before Leonardo, I went to do a show uh, in Rome years ago uh, of Leonardo, they rebuilt mm-hmm. all these pieces, and there was one really, really striking. It was a mirror, a circle of mirrors, mm-hmm. very you know like a, a six-seven feet high, and they mm-hmm. form a circle. And then once you got in, you saw yourself in all uh, you know aspects, front, back, uh, everywhere in the same moment. I was struck about that. I said, this is great. This is really great. So there was a competition for, uh, what's the name, Uh, this park in Queens, uh, where they show outdoor artist and I send this idea, they reject it. They said, oh, how can they reject an idea like this? You know, it's not my idea, it's for Leonardo. <laughs> this to show you how is contemporary art.
0: Yeah. yeah. Thanks to Walter Rossi for joining us and thank you for listening. I'm your host Timothy Reuter. If you liked this interview, please subscribe in your podcast app and leave a comment. If you'd like to reach out with any suggestions of people I should interview or any other feedback, you can email me at artrobotdeath, spelled as one word with no punctuations, at gmail.com.